Ah, yes, it is Friday morning, and we are checking in with Vaughn this morning. Vaughn, it is the anniversary of the Challenger disaster. So January 20th, 1986, where were you? I was watching. Really? Uh, I'm a serious space program geek. I have been since, uh, gee, I guess I must have been about five years old, going out in the backyard to look for Sputnik. I didn't see it, but I was pretty damn sure it was up there. So... I was watching, and I remember a couple of things that I wish I didn't remember. Uh, One of them, of course, is the school teacher that was on board, Krista McAuliffe. But it was such a good news story, you know. They they had a TV in her classroom, and the kids are watching. And there was this shot of her parents. They were in the crowd at the Cape watching. And, and of course, they saw the explosion. The other thing I remember is the cold weather. That launch was postponed a couple of times because Florida was having unseasonably cold weather or the kind of weather that wrecks the the orange crop. And they went ahead with the launch anyway. So there was a public inquiry into what went wrong. And this is something else I remember the day this happened. The government of the U.S. appointed an actual genius to that panel. A Nobel Prize winning physicist named Richard Feynman, who was also one of the great communicators of physics in the 20th century. And Feynman explained the whole thing, what happened. He went into the hearing room, he brought in the material that was used to seal the, the fuel tanks and the, and the passage of fuel from the tanks into the shuttle, and he put it in a clamp, and he dumped it in a beaker of ice water, and he hauled it out and, it, and crumbled it in his hands. And that's what happened. Um, the weather was too cold. It wasn't safe to launch. Feynman was, well, the, the chair of that commission said uh, Feynman made a pain in the ass of himself, and I think he did. His own account after the fact was that NASA underestimated the risk to the shuttle underestimated the cold weather, recruited the school teacher in part by downplaying the risk. And Feynman had a line on this that, you know, shines out to me as one of the great scientific statements of the 20th century. He said, you know, there's bureaucracy and there's politics and there's all this other stuff, but, quote, nature cannot be fooled. Oh, so true. I watched the, um, there's a great documentary on Netflix. I think I think it was last yeah. year that came out. It's like three parts, four parts about the whole Challenger situation. And it's well worth watching if people have not uh, checked that out. But it goes over all of this in detail about what went wrong and everything. And uh, well worth watching this weekend for sure. Uh, let's get to our COVID update. We're getting a briefing today at noon, right? Yeah, we're getting a briefing at noon today. We're now on a sort of a two-briefing-a-week uh, schedule. We have been for a little while, I think, just because Omicron's moving so quickly. Uh, they're giving us two um, briefings a week. Uh, we're getting a, some kind of PowerPoint presentation today, too. Uh, they'll be sending that out to those of us who cover it later this morning. Okay, so what has been concerning to you with these latest statistics? Well, you know... We look at the different statistics. I mean, we've been told the case count isn't really reliable anymore. Yeah, the test positive numbers aren't really reliable anymore because they're not testing everybody because they don't have the resources. And anyway, the thing is moving so fast that you can't be sure of the numbers. But one number that has always been very reliable, and it's pretty alarming this month, 
And that's the death toll from COVID-19. Yes. So 165 deaths this month. I think, what, 65 of them, 62 of them in the last week. This thing is moving through the, and, and you know, they gave us the numbers the other day. So uh, they said most of the, most, about a third of the cases are in long-term care. I think two-thirds are people over the age of 80. Now, those may be updated today, but you're getting a sense. This thing is still ravaging uh, senior population, still ravaging the long-term care facilities. And I, I, what I find disturbing about that, Simi, is that the government has spent tens of millions of dollars trying to make long-term care safer, assuring us that they have it under control, and it's still a huge, huge problem there. And I don't know if they're going to give us any explanation for why they've fallen down so badly on this. So that's coming at noon today. You'll hear it live on the Jill Bennett Show. Uh, one other thing we wanted to talk about this morning, though, Vaughn, and this is so important for so many people, and that is the fact that we seem to be losing family doctors. And we're losing family doctors. Uh, you're seeing uh, some of the walk-in clinics closing or reducing hours because they can't recruit enough doctors. You're seeing a problem recruiting doctors in British Columbia. And it's really dramatized by what's happened in the provincial capital region in the last two weeks. So there's been three major clinic closures announced since the 15th of January. And they're all, they've all been linked to shortage of doctors, difficulty of recruiting doctors, doctors retiring, doctors leaving. Um, it, it not, it's not only dramatic because it's happening in the provincial capital region, but these are all NDP ridings. Uh, one of these clinics is on the doorstep, basically, of the premier's own riding. So this is a, a problem in an area where the New Democrats overwhelmingly represent the region in the legislature. Right. And, and at the cabinet table and, and also, in the premier's office. It's not necessarily easy enough to just say, oh, I'll use a walk-in clinic either. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that's really come through in the coverage on this because, you you know, the government does have a policy of establishing these ur- urgent care clinics and all of that and saying, you know, go there, don't don't go, uh, to, you know, that's that's your substitute for a family doctor. But there's been some very good coverage here in the capital region of why that doesn't work for some patients. And the reason it doesn't work is you have a lot of patients with multiple conditions, complex treatments, and like a a very well-balanced and complicated drug Mm regimen. And I know there was one fellow on the radio saying every time he takes his wife to like a walk-in clinic or an urgent care clinic or the emergency room, which is because he doesn't have a family doctor, um, he has to spend, you know, minutes briefing the new doctor on all the situation, carries this big file folder around with him. So it's not really a substitute for people who need a family doctor, and yet here in the capital region, the stats we have, uh, about a quarter of the population of Greater Victoria, so maybe 100,000 people, don't have a family doctor. 
Uh, okay, and what what has the response been on this from the government? You know, there's actually been very little response from the government. I looked around to see if Adrian Dix has said anything about it. I can't find that he has. Uh, there's been very little response from the government to this. Now they've got a lot of other major things on their plate. But this story has received a lot of coverage. It's been covered on Global in, in Vancouver. A lot of coverage here in the capital region on radio and print and, and on TV. So far, there has been very little response from the government. I've heard a bit of grumbling from NDP supporters that, oh, well, you know, the doctors are going into their annual negotiation on the fee contract, and that's just them grumbling about huh. the fees being low and everything. I, I think there's a lot more to it than that. I am kind of surprised that it's gone on for two weeks without a proper response from the government and a rationalization and telling us what the hell they're going to do about it. We will see. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun, and that's such a good point about people losing doctors. If that's happened to you, let me know, simi at cknw.com. We will be talking more about that story.